Welcome to the New Life Baptist Podcast. Our mission is to love the Great Commandment, live the Great Commission, and lead one more to Jesus Christ. We thank you for listening, and we hope that you are encouraged today as we dive into God's Word. Amen. I appreciate our worship team leading us in worship today, and we're excited about what they're going to do as they lead us in worship tonight. And so we invite you back here again at 6.30 for a New Life Christmas and we're excited for, for all that God's going to do this evening. But as we continue to worship now, I'm going to invite you, let's take the Word of God, let's open the Word of God and turn in the Word of God to Matthew chapter 2. We've been looking at a series now the, the last two weeks. We've been looking at a story of God with us, Emmanuel, how God came to not only dwell among us, but God came to deliver us. And we're seeing that here in the story of Christ. Last week we looked at his birth, and this week we're going to look at some men who came from a distant land to seek and find the Savior. Now here's what I love about Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew 2, we're going to see a lot of truth, but we're going to see this undisputable truth on display, is that Jesus Christ is absolutely worthy of our worship. There's no one who is worthy of our worship except Jesus. He is the only one. He's the treasure that you sell everything to buy, right? He is the only one who is worthy of our worship. He's more than just a Messiah. He's more than just a king. What we're going to see here today, he is God in the flesh. God came to dwell among us. He is the very son of God. He is the person of God, and he deserves our praise. He deserves our worship. And in our text, you're going to see kind of three different responses. Some oppose him by fear. They see the kingship of Jesus Christ as a threat to their own illusion of a throne. Some, others, they ignore him by familiarity. Sure, we've heard about him. Sure, we know about him. Sure, we've been to church a few times, but there's no seeking and no desire. And then the third group we see is some find him by coming in faith. And that's where I want to challenge you to be today. Don't be here today saying, no, 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 I can't have a Lord over my life. I'm the Lord of my life. And no, no, the familiarity, yeah, sure, I've I've heard the Christmas story a million times. There's nothing you're going to teach me here today. I want us to be the people like these wise men who find hope, who find the Savior, who find God by faith. This is what we're going to see today. And so these wise men, they show great faith, and we see a pursuit in these men driven by a passion to come give the king praise. That's what we're going to see. Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew chapter 2 this morning. It says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, they came to Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we have come to, what? Worship him. Now when Herod the king, when he heard this, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? Because he was king. And now there's a new king. There's another king. And he's like, who is this other king? He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, they found the answer. They knew from the scrolls. They knew from the word of God. They told him the Messiah, this Christ, would be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, In the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. 
And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, it went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Not, not baby Jesus, but, but the child Jesus. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down. They worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of God. Let's submit our lives to his truth and his authority today. Father, we thank you for your eternal truth, and we pray that your eternal truth will be written upon our hearts. Father, we pray right now that the Spirit of God will use the word of God to make us like the Son of God. And Father, the things that we don't know today, God, teach us in your word God, who we are not, make us into your image. And Jesus, we just pray in your name that, Lord, your word and your spirit will speak for your servants we are listening. In Christ's name that we pray, God's church says, amen. As you find your seat again, you can use the back side of the worship God to walk together through the word. And, and I want to see a lot of great truth right here in Matthew 2. But two things are going to stand out for us as we, again, walk together through the word. Here's the very first one. In these wise men, as they go on this journey, as they travel a great distance, as they come from a far off place, we're going to see the evidence of wonder. All right, first of all, at play is the evidence of wonder. Now, when you think about these wise men, there's plenty of speculation. We can all speculate, who are these wise men? How many wise men were there? What land did they come from? What country did they come from? And, and, and where did they come from? And how do they know where to come from? But all we know about the wise men, without any speculation, the only truth we have is right here in Matthew 2. This is it. This is all we know about these wise men is somehow they were able to put all of this together. They were able to come find a king. And you're saying, well, how did they put it all together? How did they know where to look? And again, we don't know if they had a scroll. We don't know if when Israel got deported off in captivity into Babylon, that somehow the word traveled. We don't know, but somehow... God revealed it to them. Somehow God informed them, God invited them, and by faith they decided to come. And I think that's amazing in the text because what you see here is Jesus, he is concealed from the religious leaders, right? His, his presence, his coming is concealed from the religious leaders, but he is revealed to the pagan men who don't belong to Israel. God has concealed them from the religious elite, but he has revealed them to these men on the outside and invited them to come, which tells us what? Christ is not just a Jewish Israel Savior. Christ is the Savior of the whole world. Right? He's inviting all men from the nations to come. Every tongue of every tribe of every nation will bow down and confess him as Lord. And so he's inviting right here. We're already seeing the Great Commission at work. And so while we don't know much, what we do know is they somehow see a star in the sky. And it's a movable star. And they somehow know about a king and the Lord invites them to come worship, and we see that they're on their way. And not only are they on their way, but we see them stop and they ask for directions. Now, verse 1 and verse 2 again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men, they came from the east, and they came to Jerusalem, and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? 
We saw his star when it rose, and we have come, and we have come to worship him. Now, we got a star in the sky, and it's a pretty amazing thing to think about. But there's Old Testament history to help us understand more about this star. All right, now let's think about that. There's a story of, of Numbers 22 about Balak and Balaam. All right, and you're like, who's Balak and who in the world is Balaam and what is Numbers 22? Well, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament, it recounts the journey of God's people. God's people, they were delivered, and God's people from Mount Sinai, they went to the edge of the promised land, and as God's people journeyed out of Egypt to the promised land, they grew. They grew in power, they grew in number, they grew in might, they were strong, and this scared a man named Balak. Balak, he was the, the king of another country called Edom, or Moab, I'm sorry, of Moab. And, and, and what did Balak do? He said, you know what? These people are too powerful for me. He called a magician named Balaam. So Balak calls his friend Balaam and says, hey, Balaam, you're from the east. I want you to come from the east, and I want you to curse the people of God. I want you to curse Israel. And so here comes Balaam from the east, and God tells him on his way, don't curse Israel. I want you to bless Israel, right? Don't curse them. They're my people. I want you to bless them. And so watch this. Balaam obeyed God. He blessed Israel three times from the east with a prophecy in Numbers 24. In Numbers 24, 16 and 17, it tells us this in the word of God. It tells that as he came, he took up his discourse and said, the oracle of Balaam, the son of Beor, the oracle of the man who eyes, whose eye is open, the oracle of him who hears the words of God and knows the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty falling down with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Prophecy. A star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter or a ruler shall rise up out of Israel, and it shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. This tells of a scepter or one who rules, one that will arise from the people of God and that the star would be the sign of his coming. And so this prophesied that a king associated with the star would come deliver the people of God from their enemies. So let's tie that all together. Like, all right, what, what are, where are we going? How does this make any sense? What does this have to do with the wise men? All right, this is where we're going. In the Old Testament, we have a man from the east with three blessings prophesying a star and a king among the Jews. And now here in the Old Testament, we find men from the east with three gifts or three blessings that are following a star to worship a king. All right, it all comes together. This is all a reflection. It's not a coincidence. And if that doesn't get you excited, then Isaiah prophesies a light, much like a star, to whom the nations would respond in Isaiah chapter 60. And so we see this star, we see this promise, we see this prophecy all come together. And so we understand that the nations will come to worship the light that is revealed by God. It's all about the light. The nations would bring riches, the nations would bring gifts, and the nations would bring these things for worship. And isn't that exactly what we find right here in Matthew 2 with these wise men? They're coming from the east, from a distant nation, not of the household of Israel, and they come bearing not just anything, but they come bearing gifts, and they're coming to worship a king because God has revealed to them a star in the sky. This has been promised. All right, what we're seeing is just a prophecy come true in Matthew 2. And so I want you to see three points of application right here as we think about these wise men coming from the east, and they're coming to do one thing, and what's that? To worship. Three things. One, God draws the distant to himself. 
God always draws the distant to himself. These wise men, they journeyed from the east to the west, and we, we estimate from, from church history, from what we know in scripture, we estimate they, they traveled at least hundreds, if not thousands of miles in order to find this star. And so if you want to just break that down by the Greek, they were just really far away. All right, that's where they were. They were really far away, and they traveled mostly, it seems, by foot, maybe by camel. We're not entirely sure how they came. And, and, and so we see that them come from the outside of the household of Israel, from, from a nation that doesn't belong to God. God invites people who are far away to come close to him. And so, again, the invitation for you this morning is I'm not sure how you walked in here today. You may be like, I'm hundreds of miles away from God. He's not even on my radar. I'm here because my spouse made me come. I'm here because my parents made me come. I'm here because it's Christmas, right? Whatever it is that you may be here for, you may be here far from God, but God is Emmanuel, God with you. He's inviting you to come, right? He is inviting people who are far away to come to him. And it doesn't matter how far away you are, he closes the gap. It takes one step to come back home, and he invites you to come just as you are to do what? Worship him, the true worshiper. To lay down your life, to lay down the things that he doesn't need, to give him all of you. So we see that God draws the distant to himself. But the second thing that we see is that the wise men, they only got where they needed to be by following the star. That's a simple application. The only way the wise men got where they needed to be, where God wanted them to be, was by faith to follow the star. You ever thought about that star? That's a, obviously a supernatural star because what we see here, this wasn't just a, an existing star that got brighter. This was a star that didn't exist that all of a sudden existed and it moved. Right? God revealed a star in the sky and the star moved. Stars don't move, church. The world moves, right? But the stars don't move. And so we see God moves a star and he reveals to them, he leads them. And as he leads them and as they are revealed, they obey. And where do they get? They get closer to where God wants them to be. Right? They're following God in obedience, and they're realizing that they're only getting to God's destination, God's plan and promise and purpose for their lives, is through their obedience to the revealed Word of God. This past week, uh, we, we went up to Branson with our little family to just do a little uh, Christmas a celebration to kind of get away before all the crazy stuff happened. And, and we were on a golf cart tour of Christmas lights. And so we're traveling through, looking at all the pretty lights. It's dark, it's late, it's, it's beautiful, it's cold. And, and as we get into the golf cart, the very beginning of this journey, the man says, listen, have a lot of fun. We're going to zip these things up. And, and the only rule is you only stay in the cart. All right, that's it. And so we're traveling down. We're walking through all these beautiful things. And all of a sudden, my beautiful wife sees something on the ground that's shiny and that sparkles. And she thinks she found a treasure. We roll past it. I'm unconvinced, but she's like, honey, I think that's it. And now my son, who's Mr. National in church, is like, dad, you got to go back. You got to go find what that thing is. And so we drive a little further after we kind of deliberate. I park the car and I break the rule. I get out of the cart and I decide I'm going to go check this thing out because, hey, you know what? College fund is going to be really nice in case my wife did find something of value. It's going to be worth it. So I'm running down this path, going backwards in time, and I slip. I hit a patch of black ice. I didn't see it. I flew back, and I landed right on the back of my head. All right? I think I have two arms right now for what it's worth. <laughs> and I get up. I'm a little shaken, but I'm determined because I'm like, if I'm going to die, at least I'm going to die with my family being rich. All right? So 
I go, and, and at this point, I've got, I'm bleeding, all right? So this, it was actually a little bit of a scary moment for me, but I'm determined. And so I go, and guys, when I arrived to what my wife saw, it had such beautiful clarity. It had the carrot. It had the cut. And it was the biggest piece of frozen ice I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Worthless. When you go against good instruction, you head down the wrong path. You make a fool of yourself on the way. You pay the consequences when you disobey, and what you find in the end of your worthless pursuit is absolutely meaningless. That's the lesson I learned, and that's the lesson we can learn from these wise men, is when you don't obey what God has revealed, when you don't listen to the word of God, you don't follow the direction he leads you, one, you head down the wrong path, you make a fool of yourself, you pay a whole lot of consequences, and what you find in the end is always worthless. You got to reveal or follow what has been revealed. You only get to where God wants you by being obedient to his word. We said this last week, I promise God will not bless you in your disobedience. God's not going to lead you to abundant life when you're walking down the wrong path. We need to see that we've got to follow what God has revealed because here's the temptation is to replace the star. There's always going to be a temptation for you to be like, that looks good, but what about this? That's shiny. I'm going to check this out. Oh, that, that looks like a little more fulfilling than what God has for me. There's always going to be a temptation for us to replace what God has given. Don't ever substitute Scripture in your life. Be obedient to every word. Do not drift to the right. Do not drift to the left. Follow God because God's blessing is always leading us to his best. And here's the third thing. These wise men had a calling to come. But secondly, don't miss, they had the courage to go. They journeyed for, for maybe a year or two. They come to find not a baby in swaddling clothes in a manger. They come to find a child in a house. All right, so we, we understand that possibly he's one to two years old. We don't have no idea how old he is at this point, but he's not a baby in a manger. They had the calling to come, but then they had the courage to go. You've been called by God. Do you have the courage to obey? Do you have the courage to say, I'm going to follow Christ no matter what it takes? I'm going to persevere by faith, because I know that when I get to where God wants me to be, it's going to be blessed, and it's going to be good, and it's going to be right. I just want to challenge you to be strong and courageous, church. Do everything that God has called you to do. So we see the evidence now of wonder. But here's the second thing that we see in this text. We see the expression of worship. All right, the expression of worship. Go to verse 10. As we scroll down and, and see, we see the response of Herod. We see the response of the scribes and Pharisees. We've got fear. We've got familiarity. But now we see faith. It says in verse 10, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts where they offer gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, if we're not careful, we're going to miss something in these wise men. These wise men travel across the world to worship a king because they see a star in the sky. That, that's the details that we have, and they don't even know where they're going. All right? They follow a star to Jerusalem, but now it's kind of gone, and now they're stopping and asking for directions. But they head off to the little town of Bethlehem, which the Bible calls the least of the towns of Judah, and by the time they get there, he's not a king on a throne. Even though they're coming to worship the king, they actually find a toddler in, in a mother's lap. And what do these wise men do? They fell down and worship. They, they were said, what? We came to Jerusalem. They, we, we came to worship the king. 
Well, they arrive. They don't find a king. They find a child. And yet still what was their response to what God had revealed is they fell down in obedience. They fell down in worship. They, they, they displayed happiness. They demonstrated humility. And now they're delivering honor to the king of all kings. These gifts were statements both of his significance and their complete surrender. That's what they were doing is they brought these gifts because a gift for a king, it is more than just an object. It's our objective. It's not just an object. I don't give God anything. It's an objective to make my life worship, right? To worship him in spirit and in truth. And so we see they give him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, at first read, those are very unhelpful baby shower gifts, right? Outside the gold, we, we might take that one. But the frankincense and myrrh, thank you for this gift. How do you write a thank you card for that? But these are not gifts for a child. These are gifts for a king. And let's break these down. The gold was symbolic of his royalty. It was a statement that Jesus is the one true king of all kings. The frankincense was symbolic of his divinity. It was used as incense in the temple when you go back and read Nehemiah 13. Because not only is Jesus a powerful king, but we understand from Hebrews, he is the great high priest. All right, in the Old Testament, the priests made sacrifices on behalf of the, the sins of the people of God and the, the high priest interceded for the people of God in prayer, and they represented the people before God. And so Jesus comes, and as we recognize his divinity, he doesn't do those things for us. He is those things for us. He became those things for us. He became our sacrifice. He became our representative. He intercedes to the Father on our behalf. That's who our king is. We have royalty, we have divinity, and then we have the myrrh. And the myrrh is the most kind of confusing one because... It was symbolic of his humanity. Myrrh was not a gift for the living. Myrrh was a gift for the dead. All right, you go read in John 19, 39, they used myrrh to embalm the dead. All right, so it wasn't a gift you, you brought. As, it's kind of a morbid gift to give to a child, right? It's like here's some burial preparations for your, your, your baby, which shows us what? That he was coming to be born to die for our sins. This was always God's plan, to send a Savior. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And so we see these gifts were given to show us a couple of different truths. That first of all is this. The cradle always points us to the cross. It's the cradle that always points us to the cross because we move from the cradle quickly through the story of Jesus to understand why he came, which is the cross to take the payment and the penalty for your sin and mine. See, here's the good news, church. The good news of great joy, what makes wise men rejoice exceedingly with great joy, kind of four ways to say they were really excited about Jesus, is that we have a Savior who came to pay the penalty for our sin. Right, you and I, outside of Christ and his intervention, we are objects of wrath. We deserve and are bound and determined to go to hell. Right, that is our destiny. Without Jesus making a way for us, you and I, we will go eternally to the place of suffering and torment and separation from God. But praise God, he didn't leave us in our sin. He didn't leave us in separation, but he came and invited for those who are willing to come in surrender and in submission, proclaim that Jesus is their Savior and Lord of their life, and by faith we are saved by his grace. And so, church, the invitation that you have is to not go to hell. The invitation that you have is to come worship a king and find eternal life. Right? This is why he came. So the cradle, even in these gifts, it points to the cross. 
points to the cross. That's the good news of Christmas. So my question for you as we think about what do you need to lay down today? What are the things that you're holding on to that you need to say, God, I'm, I'm giving you a complete surrender. I'm giving you my life. God, here's the things that I think um, I need in my life, but God, I know that only you have eternal life. God just wants you, right? That, that you would give yourself as the object of worship, that you would give him and display all that he is worth to you. But then we see the second thing in this, in this text of the expression of worship is you come worship and then you go witness. You come worship and then you go witness. Matthew is a powerful, powerful book of the gospel. The message of Matthew here is the beginning is what? At the beginning, it's an invitation for the nations to come to Christ. But what's the very end of Matthew? The Great Commission, which is Christ sending his people to go to the nations, right? To take Christ to the nations. And so what we see here, the bookend of Matthew, beginning and end, is after God sends Christ, he sends the church. So Christmas is not just time for us to say, hey, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Christmas, if you're foreign, you can say that. We have an invitation here to go, to tell people about Jesus, to say, hey, there's a Savior who has come. There's a Savior who has been born. There's a Savior who has died for your sin. And if you don't repent, if you don't receive, if you don't submit and surrender, you're hopeless. You need to come to Christ and come to Christ all the way, and you come in complete surrender to him. And so church, go and tell Go and tell the good news. And then lastly, I want to close with verse 12. Following Jesus requires your life going in a different direction. Look at verse 12. It says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. I think it's really interesting that Herod's like, hey, come back. Come tell me. When you find him, come tell me. Of course, he had ulterior motives. He wanted to eradicate and, and, and demolish the king who was threatening his throne. But God revealed to them, hey, you need to go a different direction. And I, th I think that, that is a package picture of what transformation should look like, church, is that when you come and encounter Christ, when you experience Christ, your life should always go in a different direction. All right, we're no longer the same. We've been transformed. We have been made new. We have been changed by the inside out. And so transformation means this. It's impossible for things to remain unchanged. Right, if you have confessed Christ, but your life post-Christ looks the same pre-Christ, there's a, there's a challenge for you to question, have I truly been changed by Christ? Right? We should be changed completely by Jesus. We should have habits changed. We should have addictions broken. We should no longer walk in darkness or in sin. We should walk in freedom and victory and in righteousness. Right? That's the work of the Holy Spirit, is that he is sanctifying us as we go. And so we see that when you come and truly experience Christ, it should always take your life in a different direction. What about you? You walk in different than you used to? Or are you still walking the same old path? See, I want to see this church right now. Don't miss this invitation. Is that we invite people. God invites people who are far away to come to him one way and to leave him a different way. Don't miss that. God invites people far away to come to him in one condition and leave in a different direction. We thank you for listening. Be sure to click the subscribe button on this podcast so you don't miss out on any and all of our future content. We pray you were encouraged by the word of God today. If you feel that the Lord is leading you to make a decision or have questions, 
You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or at our website at newlifebaptist.faith.